This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, NLL free agency opened on Tuesday, and it started with two blockbusters. The Burnaby Lakers are one win away from winning their first ever WLA regular season title. The Mimico Mountaineers threw a total wrench in the road to the Minto Cup. And the ladies, well, they may have just paved the way for lacrosse at the Olympics. All that and more on OTCB. I am an What is going on, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, what a day it has been. Tuesday marks the start of free agency, and we weren't disappointed. We're going to get into everything that transpired today and much, much more. But as always, if you want to interact with me here at the show, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. There's an E on the end of cross. It's a lacrosse show. It's a lacrosse pun. It's fun. Other things we're going to talk about. WLA season wraps up tonight. Burnaby taking on Langley. Burnaby wins. They get first overall. The Mimico Mountaineers book their ticket to the Minto Cup Finals, they will play the Six Nations Arrows in the Ontario Junior League Final. We'll talk about why that's such a big thing. Uh, the ladies possibly paving the way to the Olympics is a big deal that I'm not sure enough people are giving enough credit to and thinking about what it's actually going to mean on the world stage. Uh, so we'll touch a base on that. Plus, so much more, including um, a possible Woj bomb Lack thereof. Maybe a quick peek ahead at the draft. And whatever other thoughts kind of just pop into my head as I ramble in the studio. No bear today. He's having a play date, so just me. Uh, Ryan Banesh will join us, though. I caught up with him before. Uh, his Six Nations Chiefs took on the Oakville Rock in Game 1 of their MSL semifinal series. The other series, Peterborough Brooklyn, also getting underway tonight. Um, I can update you on scores as we go along, but by the time you listen to this, the game will be almost over. And if you're listening to it later, it's definitely going to be over. So we'll just go from there. Uh, definitely have to talk about what's gone on in the WLA the last few weeks, and we're going to get into that with Burnaby. But right out of the gate, an NLL free agency. And... Sometimes it's a real bittersweet thing being on the inside of some of these scoops that I get because oftentimes teams ask, please don't release this information until we do. Uh, we'd like to keep it under wraps, especially when it's involving free agency and players that are about to become free agents. So we didn't want to, they didn't want anything leaked. So, I knew about the Banesh trade hours before the deadline. And I found out uh, parts of it. I had been talking to a few of the participants in the deal. And what it turned out to be was true. And when it was released this morning around 9 o'clock my time here on the island, Ryan Banesh and a second-round pick for Callum Crawford and Alex Bouquet. So Buffalo and Colorado... Making the deal 
a lefty and a pick for a righty and a backup goaltender. And there's a lot of parts to this trade. And by parts, I mean why some of these moves were made. Um, Benny, obviously, was going to be an unrestricted free agent. And it, by the sounds of things in talking to him, there wasn't going to be a deal made between him and Chugger, the Bandits GM. And so that made him expendable and options were out there. And Buffalo had been knocking on some doors, trying to make a move. They had been watching the goaltending situation that was going on. And that kind of led to parts of this deal once the details of the other deal were made clear to him. So when he went out and made this trade and it sounded like Colorado had been interested in Ryan Banesh um, for a little while, uh, they had had some talks and then the deal was done. And so Colorado's getting a premier left-hander, one of the top lefties in the entire National Lacrosse League. And you're going to add him to an offense that already includes Zach Greer, Eli McLaughlin, and probably one of Chris Wardle and Zach Haywires. On the right-hand side, it is Keough, Noble, Rooster, um, Jacob Rue, sorry, and Brent Adams. And again, that'll be a battle spot. Adams, Rooster, somebody else. But you balance out your offense a little bit. And you free up space for Jeremy Noble. You bring in another body to work with Zach Greer, which is fantastic. But what you lose in Callum Crawford is a pass-first floor quarterback with some of the most naturally gifted athletic abilities on a lacrosse floor I think I've ever seen. And a guy that Averages, has been averaging close to 100 points the last couple of seasons since coming to Colorado and has been a guy that can has continued to put up good numbers. But Benny is right there with him. They're both 32, and their career numbers are very similar. And I think that, you know, it, it's unfortunate because Callum was a huge fan favorite in Colorado. And he was a huge reason that they were as successful as they were this year because they had so many injuries to guys. And he was out there for a lot of the games this year. Uh, check that. He was in every game this year. And I know that this trade didn't sit well with him. He was kind of rattled by it and upset. But he's going to a team that, that wants his services. And I think along with Dane Smith, will make an incredible one-two punch. Um, throwing the strength of a burgeoning Alex, um, why can't I think of his, oh, uh, Anthony Malcolm, and and that's a good right-hand side. But I think, I truly believe the key in this deal is going to be Alex Bouquet. Because if you trade superstar for superstar, they're the same age, they're both 32, they're probably both going to be making around the same kind of money. And essentially, it's Alex Bouquet for a second. And I think that I I think that's a good price to pay for Alex Bouquet if you're Steve Dietrich. And people are thinking, well, cause is there. Well, cause may not be there. And I say that because he hasn't given word 
to the Bandits if he's coming back this year. And so I was talking about um, Steve Dietrich watching other goaltenders, and so he wanted to see what happened with Bold and what happened with Kirk. And when they both, well, Bold was franchise tagged and Kirk signed a deal. So then they turned their eyes to Alex Bouquet. Alex is a Whitby area kid, obviously living out here in New Westminster for the past uh, few years since his junior days are done. But you get an Eastern guy that is an up-and-coming young goaltender that hasn't been given the chance to be a number one. And we've talked about this a ton on this podcast about how it takes goaltenders a few years to finally find their feet in the National Lacrosse League. And Bouquet has been behind Dylan Ward since he's come into the league, and he's been itching for a spot. And he was probably going to go in an expansion draft next year. So Dan Carey has the ability to move him. And now they have room to sign an even younger backup goaltender. And for Buffalo, you get a guy who's probably going to be your number one if Cause doesn't come back. I'm not sold on David DeRuscio. Uh, he's a good serviceable backup. Again, still a young guy. So if you give Bouquet the number one and you let DeRuscio groom under him, that's how the process works. And so if Anthony Cosmo doesn't come back and he does announce his retirement, which kind of seems to be the way the table's leaning, then getting Alex Bouquet is great for the Buffalo Bandits. He's still young. His price tag's not very high. So it opens up space for Buffalo to go after some players because uh, they'll have a little more cap room. Same with Colorado. This opens up space for them. So I think it's a great trade for both teams for what they need. I think what it also does is it opens up a spot for most likely Josh Byrne to be the number one overall pick by the Buffalo Bandits as they hold that number one spot. Unless Austin Stotts uh, declares early, and even if he does, I don't think... Chugger will pick Stotts over Josh Byrne. And if that does happen, like a lot of people think, then that means if Stotts does declare and Chugger doesn't take him, he falls to Rochester, and that all kind of falls perfectly into place. Third pick in the draft, by the way, is Calgary. Don't know who they're going to take. There are some good young talents out there in the draft. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but first, like I said, I caught up with Ryan Banesh earlier in the day. Uh, he was en route to pick up Dane Smith to go to their game against the Oakville Rock, game one of the MSL playoffs. And the first question I asked him was, he was or he is the newest member of the Colorado Mammoth. How does that sound? Uh, it's a little different, yeah, um, especially because... You know, my winter GM or former winter GM, I should say, and uh, two former winter coaches are also my my winter or my summer GM and my summer <laughs> coaches. So it's going to be a little bit awkward at first tonight when I see them. But, um, you know, it, I'm okay. Thing, it, I understand it. it's a business thing. Uh, it's a business deal, right? So um, no hard feelings towards Chugger or anybody. It, it, it was. It came as a bit of a shock to a lot of people. You were uh, an unrestricted free agent and, and probably could have signed anywhere. I'm sure you would have liked to stay with the Bandits, where you've had quite a bit of success with Dane and that team over the last couple of years. But um, was this something you knew was coming down, or was it a bit of a surprise to you as well? 
I had, I mean, I had my suspicions, um, and you know, obviously, uh, the rumor mill was was flowing, and uh, you know, did did I want to stay in Buffalo, or would I have stayed in Buffalo? Yes, but you know, at, at my age, and um, you know, uh, at this point in my career, it, it's kind of it's kind of best for me to kind of go after the most, um, the most money that I could make. And as far as I knew, Colorado was the team that, that could do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and are you happy with, with how it all worked out and now that you're going to the Colorado Mouse? I'm not, yeah, I'm very happy. Um, you know, money aside, they've, they've got a great team. They've got a, you know, second to none fan base. Um, I, I've always enjoyed playing there, and I've always, you know, kind of thought about playing there before, um, before I got traded to Buffalo. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I am looking forward to, you know, suiting up with the Mammoth and uh, and battling with the fellas, and you know, getting to know getting to know the fans of Colorado. Um, you, you've been traded a few times. Uh, you've joined the suitcase, suitcase club with myself and Chris Panos and my brother <laughs> and, and a few other guys, but. Um, does does finding out you've been traded ever get easier, or is it always hard, no matter uh, when it happens? Um, I think it's hard, no matter what. Um, you know, you you might know you're going to get traded, but that still doesn't take the sting out of it. Um, you know, the only comforting thing for for a guy getting traded is to know that um, he's wanted by another team. So mm-hmm. um, that's the way I look at it. Um, right now I, I'm taking it as Colorado was the team that really wanted me on their team and, and, uh, thinks that I can help improve. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do my best to, to do whatever I can do on the floor and off the floor to improve the Colorado mammoth and, and, you know, uh, get that ultimate goal, which would be a champions cup. Uh, you join a, a left-handed side that has the likes of Zach Greer, Eli McLaughlin, Chris Bortles and, and Zach Haywires. Are you excited? Uh, to join that group of lefties and what is going to be a very prominent, uh, powerful left-handed side. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I, I've known Grizzle for a while now. I played with him his first year uh, in Minnesota there um, as a rookie. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to playing with Zach again. And then, uh, you know, Eli and, and Chris are two great players. I've, I've watched them. I've uh, I've admired the way that they play. You know, they crash, they bang, they set picks, they can score goals, um, they can do it all. So uh, I, I'm looking to just, you know, get in there, do whatever it takes, whatever coaches ask of me to do, and, uh, you know, not disrupt anything on that left side and, and just hopefully um, improve uh, the outcome of the few games. You, you'll be a little more adjusted and acclimated to the mile-high air. Is that Was that ever an issue for you, you know, as a visiting player coming into Denver maybe once a year and, and having to deal with the air? Um, yeah, I think it was. Uh, you know, as your career gets it gets on, you kind of get used to, um, you know, the travel and then obviously the air in Denver. So um, you do the, the appropriate steps to, to prepare yourself for those games. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't ever use uh, – the Denver era is an excuse to why I had a bad game, but uh, you know it definitely can it can play a factor if you let it. Um, you mentioned uh, you're excited to get in front of the Colorado fans. Uh, you are probably playing in in the flagship of fans in Buffalo, uh, who are the best of the best. 
um, and have been around longer than anybody. What was it like to play in front of that fan base, and, and how much are you going to miss them? Because you sent out a pretty nice tweet uh, thanking them for all their support over the years. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an incredible experience, um, one I, I won't ever forget. Um, but I made a, a lot of very good friends, and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of those people reached out to me today, sent me messages and tweets, and, uh, you know, I'm very thankful to have gotten the opportunity to play in front of them and, and to, you know, to kind of win their trust as a, as a player that they, you know, that that they wanted to see and uh, wanted to do well. So um, I will miss them. But, you know, having said that, uh, now it's, it's, it's time to you know, kind of do the same thing in Colorado and hopefully I can get the fans on my side quickly. I think you'll become a fan favorite quite quickly. Uh, Dylan Ward's already been chirping at you to change your Twitter handle. Is that in the works? <laughs> yeah, I just changed it. Uh, <laughs> D Ward's pretty. Uh, he's pretty quick on the old Twitter, uh, the Twitter game. So to avoid any uh, any classic Dylan Ward Twitter battles, I just changed it. <laughs> uh, you talked about um, you know you're going to miss the fans in Buffalo. Who do you think is going to miss you more, Scott Loeffler or David Brock? <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough call. Uh, probably Scott. I would say maybe because <laughs> I worked with Dave for the last. Last two years and uh, over the winter running our our uh, school program, so I'm sure mm-hmm. he's seen enough and, and heard, heard enough of me for a little while. <laughs> um, you you are a busy man. You have just been traded. You're a new member of the Colorado Mammoth, but uh, your sole focus right now is with the Six Nations Chiefs. You guys start uh, MSL playoffs round one against Oakville tonight. How are you excited are you uh, to get the second season started? I'm I'm fired up. I'm uh, you know. Winning it last year was uh, was one of the greatest things I've done in lacrosse, and you know uh, I, I want to do that again. So I'm really looking forward to getting this series going. Oakville's going to be a, a great test. They've got a great team. Um, you know, it's just it's just a matter of who wants it more and who who comes ready to play a full 60 minutes each game. Does uh, the travel change affect you at all, or does it help you out? Um, it helps me out a little bit. Instead of taking a two-and-a-half-hour bus ride, I get to uh, have a 45-minute drive to Oakville. So um, I am kind of thankful in, in that regard. But yeah. uh, you know what? It, it, it doesn't matter. All four teams that are in the playoffs right now are pretty even. Um, it's it, There's no easy cakewalk through anything. So um, like I said, it's just it comes down to who wants it more, who's going to battle harder and uh, you know, prove that they deserve to be there. Well, my friend, uh, hopefully all things work out and your Chiefs make it to Victoria for the Man Cup this summer, and I get to call some of your action before you become a Colorado man. Congratulations on the trade, and uh, best of luck with the Chiefs over the rest of the summer, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a nice night. Elton John in Denver, Colorado. Ryan Banesh is off to the Mile High City. A crazy little thing that he pointed out kind of right at the start is that Dietrich and Kilgore and Troy, all those guys in Buffalo, are all the guys working with the Chiefs. And Ryan Banesh just happens to be an Oakville Chief, traded from the Bandits to Colorado. So, like I said, it might be a little interesting walking into the locker room tonight 
but Benny understands it's all business, and they have a goal in mind, and that is to win a man cup, and they are playing game one as we speak. Sure, let's take a quick peek and just see how those games are going. Oh, wait, it's not even 5 o'clock. They haven't started yet. I got too excited. It's going to be interesting to see how this deal works out and how it affects both teams moving forward. Oh, by the way, coming to Colorado with Benny is a conditional second or third round pick, depending on what happens with Alex Bouquet. The second trade, another blockbuster, well, that one came to me literally five minutes before I was about to talk to Benny. So that was around 1.20-ish, just before 1.30 island time. And that's when I found out that Derek Keenan was true to his word that he wasn't done yet. P.S. He still says he's not done yet. And Jammer, well, he went out and chipped off Aaron Bold, John LaFontaine, the number eight pick in the upcoming entry draft, and a second-round pick in 2018 for the 2016 goaltender of the year, Evan Kirk from the New England Black Wolves. And that one really shocked people. Because I didn't see that one coming at all. And I'm not really sure anybody did. I think everybody thought that Bold was going to re-sign as a UFA in Saskatchewan. Well, that turned out not to be the case, as Derek Keenan told me that they were never going to agree to sign uh, Bold into the franchise tag. And they had also kind of had their eye on Kirk for a little while, which was also kind of surprising to me. And the addition of John LaFontaine gives them a very underrated defender, Plus, New England gets a first-round pick, number eight overall. So now they have number eight and number 10 in the draft. Saskatchewan now drops out of the first round for, I think, the first time in five years. And then you get a second-round pick in 2018. And according to Derek Keenan, this is all part of his master plan. I wouldn't call it a master plan, but this is just all part of his plan. Um, When we talked to him about the Adam Jones deal, he said he wasn't done. And now he trades Aaron Bold. When I talked to him, he says he's not done. I truly don't know what else he can do, but his magic ball is turning out to be the greatest 599 1980s collector edition item buy that you can find because that little magic eight ball is it's working and he just continues to keep grinding and keep trying to find different deals to help make his team better and now we're really going to get to see how good of a goaltender Aaron Bold really is because as we've talked about a lot of people have said the reason Aaron Bold has never won a goaltender of the year award is because of the defense in front of him. Well, if he indeed plays for the New England Black Wolves, because that's a heck of a journey every week to get from Edmonton to Ontario for practices, if he goes to them, or if not, at least getting to all those Eastern games and playing playing behind a defense that will be coached by Glenn Clark and Jim Veltman. 
It'll be interesting to see how Boldy rises to this occasion because he's always used things to fuel him. Three years ago when he didn't get goaltender of the year, he used that to fuel him to one of the best years we've ever seen from a goaltender and it resulted in him winning a Champions Cup. And then he won another one. And he almost won three in a row. And he still doesn't get the credit he deserves. At least that I feel he deserves. But again, he was an unrestricted free agent, so he would have had the chance to go anywhere he wanted anyway. I knew I would assume, shouldn't do that, but I'm doing it, that he was wanting to stay in Saskatchewan. It worked out perfectly for his schedule and his business, and it was an easy commute for him. And so why wouldn't he want to sign back with them? Well, it doesn't always work that way. And in Derek Keenan's mind, he wasn't going to put that money towards Aaron Bold, so he found an option that would be a little less expensive for him, and that was in the form of Evan Kirk. And both teams agreed on the deal. And I know Derek is very happy with the acquisition of Evan Kirk, just like I know the Black Wolves are ecstatic about the acquisition of Aaron Bolt. Plus, they get John LaFontaine a first-rounder and a second-rounder. Interesting things going on in the world of lacrosse as free agency opens. And I know a lot of people aren't happy. I know a lot of people are happy. And that's just the way these things work. And it just gives us tons and tons of stuff to talk about. Let's get some other things to talk about out of the way. Um, More free agency stuff from today. Ryan Wagner and David DiRuscio signed two-year deals with the Bandits. Wagner, a former Vancouver Stealth player. Um, He gets to go back to Ontario, play a little closer to home. Uh, DiRuscio, two-year deal. He's going to be in heated contest for that number one job, most likely with Alex Bouquet there in Buffalo. Uh, We talked about the Colorado deal. We talked about New England deal. Uh, The Black Wolves also signed Derek Searle and Martin Bowes to one-year deals. And the Nighthawks, who have been sort of of quiet all offseason, signed three players to different agreements. Paul Dawson and Luke Laskowitz to two-year deals. Dan Lomas to a three-year deal. Dawson was really the only one they truly needed to get under contract as he was a UFA. And then the Vancouver Stealth signed Big Bone Scotty Jones, uh, Jake Archdeacon, and Brandon Clullen to one-year agreement. So um, uh, Scotty Jones uh, had a cup of coffee in the National Lacrosse League with Minnesota for a bit. Um, Archdeacon is just a rookie in the WLA, and Clullen was a practice guy and in and out of the roster for the Stealth, so he's going to be competing for a job with those two guys. So that was all today. Um, yesterday was a bit of... A busier day. The Mammoth signing Greg Downing and Brad Self to one-year deals. The Swarm signed Lachlan Elder to a two-year deal. The Black Wolves welcome back Garrett Toole to the National Lacrosse with a one-year deal. Dinsdale re-up in Saskatchewan. And the Rock locked down Damon Edwards and Sandy Chapman. But that wasn't the big news of the day yesterday. And the big news of the day was that the Vancouver, sorry, the Calgary Roughnecks had put Carson Leung on their retired list. And for those that you remember, uh, Carson Leung was on the receiving end of the Alex Bouquet hit two years ago, and he's never been the same since. He tried to come back about a month later after the hit, and it just wasn't feeling right, and we haven't seen Carson Leung on the lacrosse floor since. He took the summer off last year. Uh, he, d- uh, he didn't play at all during the winter, 
and he's not playing right now. Last I heard, he was still having some post-concussion effects and that he wasn't doing well. He was getting better, and he's day-to-day he's doing okay, but there's still some lingering effects. And for a guy that had to stop playing because of concussions and headaches and memory loss and all that crap, this one crushes me. Because Carson's a Victoria guy. I've watched him since he was an intermediate. Watched him through junior and blossom into this freak of a two-way player that was like so many young players these days. Just fit, naturally gifted and talented and just had a passion for the game. And Carson Leung loved playing lacrosse. And it was a pleasure to call his games for the Shamrocks and watch him become a two-way threat and watch him in his rookie year in Calgary where um, he was in contention for rookie of the year. He was one of the best two-way players in the game in his first couple of years. And now to have to hear that he's retired because of that hit, it's just crushing. And I hate to see it, and I hated seeing that news. And I wish Carson all the best, and I hope that, you know, he's able to get the help that he needs, and he and he's getting... And he's being proactive. He's taking care of himself. And it's, you know, it's never a tough decision to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to play. I can't play anymore. And, you know, remember when we talked with John Grant a couple weeks ago and and it was less the news and the choice of retiring was lessened, like the pain and the burden of it was lessened because he was told by doctors that he just can't play anymore. It's not healthy. And this is the same thing with Carson. You know, he just, he can't play anymore. It's, too, it's not healthy for him. And so we want to wish Carson all the best and hope that he is doing okay and that hopefully we'll see him at a Shamrock game at some point in the summer, just seeing him out and about. Um, I know he's, I think he's a chartered accountant. I think that's what he does. And so I know he's busy with work, but Hope to see him around because he is a fantastic young man. Seen him at the golf course every once in a while. And so we just want to wish Carson the very best um, and hope that he's doing okay and uh, know that we're all thinking about him. The other couple other things uh, before we move on from the NLL. Uh, Jesse King signed with a swarm for a one-year. Kellen LeClaire with the Roughnecks for a three-year agreement. Brody Eastwood signed a two-year deal in Colorado. And Nick Billick. Signed a one-year deal with Van, uh, with Saskatchewan. Crazy thing about Nick Billick. I don't know if a, a not many people know sort of the story of how he got hurt. He broke his his leg, and that's why he didn't finish the season. And it was just it was a freak accident trying to get home. And it was icy, and he was going from vehicle to one vehicle to another, and he slipped and fell and broke a leg. Like crazy stuff. And I, I, I truly felt that they missed his energy and his physicality on the rush transition game. So it's nice to see that he'll be back in a rush uniform this winter. Okay, that's the Nash lacrosse league for now, unless something pops into my mind in a little bit. We have to move on. Uh, as mentioned, the Burnaby Lakers are one win away from clinching their first ever Western Lacrosse Association regular season title. 
And how impressive will this be for the Burnaby Lakers? Yes, winning the regular season crown is fantastic. Um, they'll finish first. It would mean they'd play Victoria in the first round, which would be a series I am going to be stoked to watch. But they have had to run the table, for the most part, to get here. Starting on Friday the 21st, which was a game they played against Victoria, they were sitting in fourth place. And to get first, they had to get a little bit of help, and they had to win out. They beat Victoria 7-4. That was the night, the ill-fated night, that was, in all respective terms, the, the end of Jim Milligan's tenure with the Lakers. He was let go two days ago, or two days later. And then the following Friday, they put a whooping on the Victoria Shamrocks 14-8. The next night, they go to Nanaimo, beat the Timberman 12-9. That makes three straight wins. And now tonight, they host the Langley Thunder and a win, which they should get, will vault them over top of the Maple Ridge Berards into first place and set up a date with the Shamrocks, leaving the Berards and Salmon Bellies to duke it out in the other series. Now, of course, if they lose, then it'll be Maple Ridge in Victoria, oh darn, New Eston Burnaby. Now, if there just happens to be a tie and Burnaby ends up on 24 points with Maple Ridge, Maple Ridge would finish first as they won the series 2-1. to one. That would just, I think that would probably cap up the craziness that has been the WLA this season. Literally, three points separates first from fourth. That's how tight the four playoff teams are. We know Victoria and New West are going to finish Third and fourth, Victorian fourth, New West and third. It's up to Burnaby and Maple Ridge for that number one and two seed. And man, it's been crazy to watch. And it's sort of been a four-horse race for the last month or so. And the playoffs will start on Thursday, so only a two-day rest for their, uh, the Burnaby Lakers. All the other playoff teams have been resting since Saturday at least. Get excited, folks, because as much as everybody's predicting it to be a two-horse race out east with Peterborough and Six Nations expected to move on after their first-round matchups, I say expected because I know of at least one person, I won't say his name, who truly believes that Six Nations could be upset by the Oakville Rock. Oh, it's true. It's true. He believes it. And back out west... It's anybody's ball game in the WLA. Whether it's Maple Ridge and Victoria, New West and Burnaby, or Burnaby and Victoria, New West and Maple Ridge, both of those series are going to be fantastic. And whoever's in the finals is going to be fantastic. The MSO final will be fantastic. I'm not sure how fantastic both first-round series out east will be, but both first-round series in the WLA are going to be ridiculous. And they get started on Thursday. Um, Corey Small, he's going to be your WLA scoring champion. And barring some sort of miracle from Eli McLaughlin, he's going to win the Triple Crown. Most goals, most assists, most points by a long shot. 
He has a seven-goal lead on Mitch Jones. Jones, he doesn't have any games left. The only guy that can catch him is Robert Church and Eli McLaughlin, and they would need 10 and 11 respectively just to tie Smallsy for the goal-scoring crown. Um, For the assists, well, Eli would need 14 to tie. Church would need 16. Don't think either of those are going down. And the scoring race, super, super unlikely. Unless somehow Elon McLaughlin beats Adam Oates' record and gets like 25 points just to tie. And I think Adam Oates is a junior record. I don't think it was that many points. So Corey Small is going to win the Triple Crown. I don't know the last time someone won the Triple Crown in the WLA. It is quite a remarkable feat. So shout out to the kitten. Now, we've talked about WLA. We've talked about MSL. Uh, Let's update you on the road to the Minto Cup because we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, and we're getting closer and closer to finding out who all four teams will be. So let's set the stage. In the BC Junior A Lacrosse League, the Coquitlam Adnacks have a 2-0 lead over the New Westminster Salmon Bellies. They won the first game of that series 13 to 8 and then on July 1st last night they won game 2 8 7 largely in part to a huge save by Christian Del Bianco right near the death and that gives them a 2 nothing lead with the day off today they'll play games 3 and 4 on Wednesday and Friday and if they do sweep they will book their tickets to Brampton in the prairies in the Rocky Mountain League The Okotoke Raiders have a 3-1 lead over the Calgary Mounties. The Mounties staved off elimination in Game 4 last night as they prolonged it with a 12-9 win. Game 5 also goes on Wednesday, August 2nd. That one is at Max Bell. And the Okotoke Raiders looking for their sixth Alberta championship and also to book their trip to Brampton for the Minto Cup. Now, here's where things get a little interesting. In Ontario, where the Man Cup is to be held in Brampton, and I don't know why I thought this, Brampton wasn't an automatic host. They were just the host arena, much like the LEC or uh, Queen's Park has often been used as a host arena in BC. I didn't think Ontario was doing that. I thought they were doing like the Memorial Cup in hockey and the Brampton Excelsiors were the host arena and the host team. Turns out, I was way off. And so that's what made this Mimico-Brampton series so much more special. By the way, not to cut them short, Six Nation Arrows, they swept Whippy, three games to none. They moved on. They haven't lost a game in the playoffs yet. It's going to be interesting. So they booked their ticket to the Ontario final as well as the Minto Cup. Congratulations to my boy Patty Merrill, Dean Hill, Polly Dawson, and the rest of the Arrows staff and team for booking their ticket to the Minto Cup. Not selling them short at all. But we got to focus on the Brampton Mimico thing because remember the big, huge brawl that happened pregame and I was talking about the history between these two clubs and how a lot of these kids had played through minor lacrosse against each other. Some of it even played minor lacrosse with each other ever since Pee Wee, and they've grown up hating each other. 
And so this was like a culmination of a lot of their minor slash junior careers playing against each other because with Mimico not having a senior A team, all those guys will kind of get dispersed. So this was kind of like the culmination of it all. There was one other wrench that was a part of that, and I'm not sure that I made mention of it. And that was the fact that when a lot of these guys, especially the 97-borns, were in midget, um, Toronto hosted the Ontario Summer Games, and the championship was played at Mimico Arena. And the Mimico team didn't actually qualify, and Brampton went on to beat Orangeville in Mimico's arena. So last night, when Mimico and a lot of those guys that were part of that, you know, team that wanted to go to the Nationals, they got to get redemption last night. And they were able to celebrate a series victory win on Brampton's home floor. And now a chance, because they automatically go to the Minto now because they're one of the two Ontario finalists, they get the chance at even sweeter redemption and the possibility to host the Minto Cup, sorry, to hoist the Minto Cup on the enemy's home floor. How sweet would that be for a lot of those kids? That would just be incredible. And what's even crazier, this is just Mimico's third year as a junior A program. And in that short period of time, they've booked a ticket to the Minto Cup and are one of just four teams that will get a chance in 2017 to lift the Canadian Junior A National Trophy. What a ride it is going to be. Because you know what? song going right now that is the Mimico Mountaineers victory song and if you've never watched Slapshot or Boogie Nights or no disco music you may not know that song but it is a fantastic little ditty right back where we started from Maxine Gale it's like I'm running a radio station here Um, but I just wanted to give a little shout out to uh, the Mimical Mountaineers, just one, because I love that song, and it's stuck in my head, and they play it whenever they put their little videos up. And so um, it's kind of a little wrench that they threw into this Minto Cup, especially for the Brampton folk. But uh, as someone pointed out on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, who it was uh, there have been a ton of Mimico fans making the trip down to Brampton for those games. And now that they're going to be in the Minto Cup, expect a lot of the blue on blue at Brampton Arena for the Minto Cup. So I think it's great. Um, Again, fresh blood for these championships is awesome. And a team that's only been really in existence for three years makes it even more special. Oh, and for those wondering, um, the series gets started on Thursday in Six Nations. They'll go 3-4-9-11-13 to decide an Ontario junior champion. But again, both teams booking their tickets to the Minto. So half of the Minto is set two teams on the verge of getting there, Coquitlam and Okotok. So uh, by next week, we may have our four Minto Cup contestants, and we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that.
Uh, a few more things before we get out of here. Um, during this whole free agency thing, uh, there were a couple people, you know, we, I was putting out teases about um, this trade that was happening between Colorado and Buffalo, and I know Tyson Guy had put out something out earlier in the morning, and um, there were people saying, we wish that the media would be less conspicuous, more clear, less obtuse, more open about the rumors and deals that we're hearing. And I get that because I always wish that too. I would want to have the ability to announce everything that I hear right away because it sucks sitting on things. Not only does it suck sitting on things because you don't want to leak that information when you've been asked not to, but also because knowing it and then agreeing to say, you know, like I was asked by the mammoth not to say anything about the deal until they announce it. I respect their wishes, but that doesn't stop someone else from getting the information and putting it out there before the mammoth would, thus breaking the news. And so I had one person on Twitter, Live Lax Blog, um, wish that there were more quote-unquote Woge bombs. And what a Woge bomb is is Adrian Wojnarowski um, is an NBA analyst for Yahoo Sports, and he is always breaking trades and breaking news. Think Jay Glazer. Um, think Greg Wyshynski. I don't know. I'm just thinking of people who are sort of non-league affiliated, non-team affiliated, but covering leagues in general. And we don't have that in the National Lacrosse League or the world of lacrosse for that matter in true aspects because the world of lacrosse loves to keep their cards close to the vest and they don't like people knowing what they're up to until the last minute. They want to keep all their secrets right up until the last minute. And I get that, especially today. Like I said earlier, when it involves free agents, they don't want people learning that, you know, Colorado didn't want to know it let any other teams know that they were making a play for Banesh and then submit a free agent offer before the deal was actually handed in. You know, they have to be careful in those sense. But there's no ability and there's no sort of people that are out there that have the reach of contacts and the respect of players and general managers enough to be able to be an Adrian Mojanowski. I sort of had that role but now that I have been encompassed with the mammoth umbrella it's tougher for me same with guys like Jake Elliott and Brad Chowner um, Steve Brumell and Buffalo is often sort of on the cusp of things and all these people that are in the inner circles of teams have to be careful with what they say and how they say it in order not to piss off the boss and I'm sure everybody can understand that so Sure, people would have loved to have known the breaking news before it happened, but sometimes teasing you is fun because it creates discussion and it gets people interested in wondering what's going to happen and paying attention. But unfortunately, there are times where us proper and media folk have to just kind of sit on our hands and wait for the news to come out. And that's... Legit how it happens in the news world. When things are embargoed to 5 p.m. and you get a story that comes on your, across your desk, you can't say diddly until that embargo is lifted at 5 p.m. Now, the National Lacrosse League and NLL teams don't go that far. But when you're trying to keep in the good graces of people, 
and earn their respect and earn their trust and build bridges and networking. And someone says, hey, man, I got a scoop for you. This is it. Don't say it's for me or don't release it, whatever it may be. You respect that. So, sure, dropping woe drop bombs would be great. It's not always that easy. And in the lacrosse world, it's even harder because it is such a close-knit lacrosse world. And when you don't allow things to get out, sometimes the negative effect of that is that rumors start to build and then the wrong people hear the wrong thing and then they put out the wrong information. So it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Finally, are we closer to seeing the game of lacrosse in the Olympics? Two big news points happened this past week or so and that should and could have a big bearing on the game of lacrosse and the IOC. Um, One, Los Angeles has essentially reached a deal to host the 2028 Olympics. So essentially three games from now. Is that right? I think so. Something like that. In 10 years. And at the same time, Women's field lacrosse debuted at the World Games in Poland last week. I think there were six teams and Canada, U.S., Australia, England, or sorry, Great Britain, not England, um, Poland, and maybe one other team. And the World Games, if you don't know, are basically the Olympics junior. It's all sports that are trying to get into the Olympics but aren't quite there yet. And it's like a trial run. And so women's lacrosse made its debut, but it was modified. Instead of having 12 players on the field at a time, it was 10. And so it's a bit of a change. And as every women's world championship in the senior division has gone, the American women won. Uh, And for the second straight tournament, the Canadian ladies came in second. So shout out to our red and white. Congratulations to the Americans. You girls won again. But not for long. So, this brings up the discussion about lacrosse in the Olympics. If LA does get it, there is a lot of hope and a lot of talk that lacrosse will be in it. And I don't think, and it's not, I can almost guarantee you, it's not going to be box lacrosse. So, scratch that thought from your head. So, if it's field lacrosse, it's in the summer games, it's in LA, it kind of fits. But what is going to have to happen and this is why the women played tennis side, is that the games are going to have to start to become more similar. That's kind of like an IOC thing. They want the versions, the male and female versions of the game to be as identical as possible. There are a few, obviously, major differences between the men's and women's game. Equipment, sticks, um rules like the boundary rules in women's field lacrosse they just um introduced free space play which is huge um the markings on the field are different for women's lacrosse so there are some things that have to change and i think you're going to start to see more trial and error things like they did in poland with putting 10 women on the field um there's talk of seven on seven lacrosse sort of being the way into the olympics much like Uh, Seven-a-side rugby was their gateway in. So 
I think we're getting closer, and 2028 seems to be a logical date for the game of lacrosse to get into the Olympics. I think we're going to have to see some tinkering. I'm efforting getting uh, someone on the show in the next couple of weeks to maybe talk about what happened uh, with the women's game over in Poland and the different versions of it and see what the progress is. But I think this is a positive step for the game of lacrosse to get on a national IOC stage. Uh, the World Games are like like the FIL World Championships are great. Um, when they're in Denver, they're going to be in Tel Aviv uh, just out, or just outside Tel Aviv uh, in 2018. Uh, 2019 World Under-19 Women's Games are going to Peterborough. So there is a stage for lacrosse on the world stage, but we've never been in front of as many eyes as we were at the World Games in Poland just in terms of people seeing our sport. And yes, it was a bit of a modified version, but if that's what it's going to take for lacrosse to get in the Olympics, I think people should be open to the idea. And if the change is going to happen, then we're going to have to do that because we all want it to be there. And for it to be there, sometimes we just got to change our stripes. We're not zebras. Let's give you one look, one little taste of what's going on in Ontario tonight. Brooklyn, here we go. Brooklyn up 5-2 on Peterborough. It's only after the first, though. 2-2 Oakville and Six Nations. That one is five minutes into the second period. So uh, Brooklyn trying to make a statement in game one. Oakville and Six Nations squared up at deuces. Uh, good luck to the Burnaby Lakers tonight as they go for their first WLA regular season title. By Tuesday, the playoffs will be in full effect and will bring you up to date on everything. NLL.com. WLALacrosse.com, uh, MSL Point Streak, and as always, at Off the Crossbar on Twitter or email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. It is playoff time. Get set, get ready, and enjoy it. Take a friend to a game. If you take a friend, take two. The more friends you have, the more fun you'll have too. My name is Teddy Jenner. Until next week, be excellent to each other. I am an apple.